0: Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at thirty thousand feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW Void or prohibited by loss. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details hello and welcome to slogging it your normal host Jonathan Gordon has completely lost the plot because Oh, I might have made him laugh a couple of times and he's lost his marbles. But yeah. How are you, huge? Are you good? I'm oh, very well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to interject here. I
2: cannot believe what has just happened. For those of you who are listening to this, Robbo, right, has turned up a night late, couldn't be asked to compile the interview, the brilliant interview that you're going to hear Eugene and I do with Jack Brooks later on, and now has decided to come in 24 hours late and take over the sodding podcast. We'll get to you in a minute, Simon. Because we've got serious issues to talk about Eugene last night brilliant I mean what I've noticed from the interviews that only you and I have done you know of which they' they're now you know plenty, they seem to run really smoothly, so maybe it's just something we consider as a maybe we maybe we start cutting Simon out of the loop rather than his wife cutting him out of the loop what do you think
0: Uh, I suppose, Jonathan, from my perspective, you know, it's really easy to give Robbo a hard time. However, it is much easier when there's only two people interviewing one. So if you were missing, I think Robbo and I might be able to interview a person almost as good. I'm not saying as well because you're very good at what you do. The one person that has to be involved in all of the interviews, though, is me. And that's only to make sure it runs technically because you two are buffoons.
2: Brilliant. So what I've found out in the last 30 seconds is you're both a pair of pricks. (laughs) Yes, I, I mean, yes. I'm
1: I'm a big fan of Eugene. I, I think his work is tremendous. Simon, how how are you, mate? We have missed you. We have missed you. I'm good. I'm good. I I'm, I'm genuinely gutted. I missed last night because I was very much looking forward to him. We had a nice chat at the one lunch. Don't I, remember I that. No, <laughs> I knew you would be able to. So I was actually quite looking forward to it. Unfortunately, yeah, I had to. I had to miss it. I was. I was. John you know, is partially correct, partially incorrect. My wife decided that she wants couple of rooms redecorating renovating before christmas sometimes she doesn't always know what goes into these things and yeah so i've had to rewire part of the house and chase chasing I'll, cutting I'll, into painting decorating I'll,
0: but if building I'll control honest, and listening my electrician has definitely done it that's what i was about to say i i, I knew you worked for national grid yeah qualified no you were an electrician yeah for the benefit of
1: the
2: tape the benefit of the tape <laughs> So talking of talking of last Monday, briefly, I think I basically had to completely reintroduce myself to Jack last night. That's <laughs> like, hi hey, mate, nice to me. I'm Jono. He's like, yeah, we, we've met. Yeah.
1: For for, for a good 40 minutes as well. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. If you can see Jono, I've only got an eighth of my ear left because you managed to chew the other seven eighths yeah. off whilst so had to have Christmas lunch. I was that like, oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, nice, nice. Anyway, plenty to get through. Obviously the, the Jack interviews come up later, more nicknames and hairstyles some of which have been absolutely sensational hairstyles over the years by the way we will be you will have seen or maybe be seeing a a poll that we're going to run about brooksy and his hairstyles on on our instagram feed we're going to see which one of jack's brooks looks is most preferred by the listeners so i'll say that bit yeah well that's it mate alliteration or something like that or just rhyming stuff but but yeah so that's coming up look we we have got to talk cricket because that is what this podcast's about, apparently. <laughs> Look, we can't not start with record-breaking England. I think we'd won two tests in Pakistan in the last twenty-six years, and ever, very, ever, ever, and now they've
1: just won two in a fortnight. Yeah, yeah. It turns out they're, they're they're not the worst at cricket. I mean, it's it's been really interesting listening to the people talk. I think they broke the record as well in that. For last game for hundreds in a year by an England team. they they. He, he, in listening to Ben Stoke, I don't know how anyone can listen to him talk and not just be very, very impressed by him, by his theory. I know we had a, a good chat about him a, a while ago. I massively believe he basically going, this is how I'm doing it. I'll rely on these people and that's it. And falls to everyone else, whether it be the suit, whether it be anybody else, that he thinks around him, and, and and I think he's just very very impressive, and he's freaked the players up. Him and Brendan McClellan and Rob Key. Rob Key, I don't think he's getting enough credit at the minute. I think he he deserves a, a lot, a, an awful lot of credit for the appointments and for, it feeds down, doesn't it? And, yeah. And so, so yeah, they're just and the way that they're playing the game is very exciting. I don't think any of these have been dull, which compared to the last. 120 years of tough cricket in Pakistan can't necessarily be said.
0: No, huge. Yeah, I can't agree more. It's it's an interesting one because I mean, as you'll hear in the interview, you know, even current players that are still playing in the first class in the first class arena are actually starting to watch cricket again. Mm. I mean, Jack was telling us that he was actually watching On day five, on the way to the tabs lunch, so you know he was watching or listening on 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 TMS or whatever it was. But yeah, you know they are playing an unbelievable brand of cricket, and I know we'll talk a little bit about Australia and West Indies in a second. But I am most definitely looking forward to the Ashes. I think you know two of probably the best Test sides in the world now are going to go head to head in the summer. So yeah, very much looking forward to that.
2: More on the Ashes in a few weeks. A couple of things that I just want to mention. First of all, Harry Brook. Now, during the recent World Cup T20, you may remember I said, I don't think he's that good. That's
0: aged well. <laughs> that's nearly. That's, that's, that's aged nearly well, as and, well. And, as and I, I said Eugene's Ben Stokes should... Yeah, I was going to say Ben Stokes shouldn't be in the side. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's done all right. right. Was... <laughs> so, along with the draft, we're also <laughs> shit at picking players. <laughs> exactly. So that's my
2: first apology of this week, having apologized to my entire family last week. First apology this week, Harry Brooke. Sorry, mate, completely misjudged you. The second thing I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we were talking, we were looking at the test matches in Pakistan and I said, if the first one's flat and we win, they will prepare a turner, which came to pass. Although it only really turned on day one and day four. And then I said, if we win the second one, then they will prepare an absolute raging Bunsen. So I'm really interested to see what the... The final pitch in... Where are they going for the last test match? Karachi. Yeah, so it'll be really interesting to see whether that turns square from ball one or just ball three. So, yeah, I mean, look, obviously great to win this. But they, the, the commentators and the, the pundits talk about England taking time out of the game. I would like to suggest that actually by batting in the way in which they do, they put time back into the game, knowing how difficult it is to take 20 wickets in those conditions. But, you know, Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Just, I mean, the, the he's just got it, hasn't he? I mean, he, he seems to get better.
1: Yeah, he's just quite good, isn't he? He, I've, I read some weird stats about him the other day that he's he's the second leading wicket taker in the subcontinent, overseas wide, behind only Dale Stane. His average since his thirty fifth birthday is twenty one. He's got more wickets than anyone ever. From the thirty fifth birthday home. Wow. He, and he just it's the way that he doesn't matter to be what the conditions are. Even in the test match where England were going at seven and over and Pakistan went at three and a half. He still went at something. One point at seven or one point yeah. At eight, but yeah. He He just doesn't seem to bowl by balls. And then you look at some of the balls he did bowl to get some of the wickets and you you're going, these are these are just ridiculous. He, that he, Rizwan
2: he, wicket was just bonkers.
1: I, I, I don't, I don't understand. that like everyone's saying that you've got to, got to bowl it this quick to get it to reverse. You've got to do that to get it to reverse. You've got. He just seems to go. Well, I'll be the judge of that. And he just keeps getting wickets. And then to add into that, yeah, and we mentioned this last week. He's buying into what Ben Stokes is doing because all of a sudden in, in the previous test he's the one that's running in with a new ball bowling batsmen.
2: Yeah. Because that's yeah. what
1: they've decided they want to do. Mm. He's not necessarily mm. taking the new ball. He didn't take the new ball in that game. Stokes and Robinson opened the bowl. And you said, there, if there's anyone that's earned the right to, I'm going to open the ball in every game. I'm going to bowl when I want to bowl. It's probably mm. it. I mean, I think Stokes is also managing it really well. You look at how England, and this was said on commentary the other day, they... He's not making the Seamers bowl the hard, like the bag of nails bit. Mm. That England, traditionally, because our spinners have got whacked to the moon. It's, it's Seamers bowl with it up until it's 10, 12 overs old, and then they bowl from when it's 50 overs old. Mm, yeah. Occasionally, I mean, yes, he threw the ball to Mark Wood and went right. I just want two or three overs of trying to hit him in the head. Yeah. But he's going, no, we've got Joe Root. We've got Jack Leach. We've got Will Jacks. So it's it's then like they, those guys can bowl the the, the crap overs or mm. we'll set the necessary field that we've got to. But I want my seamers bowling when it's when the, the pitch best suits them and the ball best suits them, which is completely arse about face now. Most people have normally gone about it. It's normally seamers bowl and then as soon as the pitch looks like it's spinning, we'll go right. We need to find Graham Swan or doesn't matter whether we've got one or not or <laughs> like we, our spinners are bowling because. Everyone should bowl spinners on this. Well he's gone, no, 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 must we haven't got a, the the Pakistan guy that got seven for in the first dig and, and and whatever. We haven't got that type of spinner, but what we have got is Jack Leach and I can set these fields to him so we can still be barely attacking, but he is doing this job while well, my spinners do this. So but yeah, Jimmy Anderson is a free. And I mean, I hope he goes abroad away next year. I hope he's forty one and he's forty one in the summer into so it'll Ooh. be I, I can't see him. I think he's he one last crack at Australia. Maybe I might be I might be wrong.
2: Yeah. Um Maybe while he's fit enough, he'll still play. It'll be interesting. I think, you know, it'd be interesting to see whether Rahan Ahmed gets a go in the last test. I think he could be the, the kind of mystery spinner. He's Googly's he's very good. The one thing that I just wanted to ask you on the did you see the Rizwan dismissal from Jimmy Anderson? That must have that must that must have reminded you of something at Rains Park in LMS.
0: All right, it doesn't ring any bells. No, no not at all. No. no. I, tend to, I, tend no because, because, I think because wacky, Jimmy wacky. bowls it forwards, you bowl it backwards, and yes, yeah. I got out to a bowler that bowls it backwards. <laughs> Was that a man cad. It just shows how shit I am did, it, did he knock off stump out the ground
1: man caddy? That
2: that, that <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, is a nibble. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I thought for think... a
1: minute I thought for a minute you were suggesting Wacky Eunice had played last man's stands at Range
0: Park.
2: No, John O'Gordon on a slightly spicy one. Can you
0: One thing I will say: he moved it out. Yes, and everyone else was moving it in. Mm. Yours goes on. Lies
2: the uh, the wicket. I mean, Ollie Ollie Robinson's wicket. Ollie Robinson's wicket to get Babber, I mean, that moved prodigiously. As did Mark Woods, although that reversed a little bit. But moving on, Australia West Indies now. Pretty chastening experience for the West Indies. Bowled out for, what, 77 in the second and of the second test match. Josh De Silva, unfortunately, didn't make his 4,000-run target. That had set him at the start of the series. Look, I don't think the West Indies are a bad side. I think Australia and Australia are an incredibly difficult opposition to, to go and face. I just think it shows how we will good see.
0: Australia are at them. We will see in a week's time when they take on South Africa.
2: Yes. Well, they're playing Romball, aren't they? They're playing against Romball now rather than bass according to David Warner.
0: Yeah, isn't that what Adolf Hitler,
1: right?
2: What? No, he was, called, he was called That was Rommel.
1: Oh, was that one ball? Sorry. Sorry.
2: I know. Sorry, I completely didn't get that. One of his famous generals was called Rommel. I went down the more historical I don't room, know that much know. about I
1: don't know that much about history. All I can know is my granddad taught me as a kid some rapey World War Two songs and one of them was called <laughs> Hitler has Got One Ball.
2: Yeah, exactly. That listener just shows how different Simon and I's minds work, you know. One one for intelligence, one's for one
0: for child's humor.
2: So yeah, on that South Australia versus South Africa series, you excited,
0: petrified, what are we feeling? Excited, I guess. I mean, you know, Hazelwood's out of the test unfortunately because of injury, you know, it looks like a very Australian, a very strong Australian side. South Africa's picked their best side. You know, it's going to be two of the, the you know, allegedly the world's best nations going at each other. It will put South Africa into and either on the same par as Australia and England or, or fall away. And, and when I say that, I don't think India are even near any of these sides, or specifically the, the Australian and England, side. So I don't think they're anywhere near it. I mean, I know it's one-day stuff, but they just lost to Bangladesh. So, you know, they sort of falling off a little bit in, in my books, much to too, much too Jono's disappointment because I know how much he likes India. So, yeah.
2: I do. I, 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 that, I love, love India, having never been. I just get the feeling with the India side that you look at Bhuvaneshwar Kumar, Robert Sharma, Kohli, like they've all played a lot of international cricket, multi-format for a long time. I just wonder whether it's kind of the the changing of the guard, almost. They've had exciting guys coming like Bumrah, Pan, Obviously, Surya Kumar Yadav is coming through, but is it a bit of a transitional? Kishan phase?
0: scored two hundred. Did you watch uh, that? No, Kishan... yeah, Ishan, Ishan Kishan, Kishan, uh, Kishan, yeah, scored... yeah. two hundred. We scored two hundred in the 35th over Jesus 150 way. in the 30th yeah he was he was going great guns they'd already lost yeah. so it was a it was a nothing game effectively which i suppose you know you have that freedom it's interesting when there's nothing on the line you just sort of go out and bat yeah, you've still
2: got to do it though you still too, got witty haven't you
0: yeah T- i mean yeah, of, it was a decent total 408
2: talking of people or josh Hazlewood being out Sad news today about Freddie Flintoff. He's been airlifted to hospital having had a suffered a pretty bad crash on this set of top gear we hear.
1: Yeah, it's apparently it's not it's non-life threatening and it was more now kind of a caution number, but yeah, airlifted to hospital. He's he's turning into like the Richard Hammond of that show, isn't he? Where everything he drives he just writes off.
2: <laughs> he's a bit bigger than Hammond, though.
1: That's not odd. <laughs> no. <laughs> But no, so I just all the best to him, and I hope yeah, it's a well. swift recovery because he's he's sort of the one cricketer of our generation that that kind of transcended the game and what he's done afterwards and things yeah. like that. So I always like to see that, and then, and by all accounts, from when he, I know he's my mum will tell you, he's you now her favorite cricketer because he was lovely to her when she he was watching her son play out ground.
2: Ah, well, there you oh. go. Very nice, very nice. On to, on to obviously, best wishes, Freddie. We, as, as Simon says, wish you a very speedy recovery. We're now going to move into the interview with Jack Brooks that Eugene and I did yesterday evening so brilliant guy we had loads of fun with him we probably had an hour with him before we recorded certainly an hour plus after just a just a great guy to be around covers a lot about mental health his own journey his own kind of self-exploration and just a really really interesting interview probably one of the two best that we've ever done so yeah we'll enjoy this and we'll see you on the other side right ladies and gentlemen tonight we are joined by an absolute legend of the game this is going to be not only a brilliant but probably one of the funniest interviews i'm calling it early so i hope he does and let me down but we welcome the legend that is jack brooks how are you mate good evening chaps
3: thanks for having me it's very kind welcome that O. thank you very much you don't put a lot of pressure on me you said
2: he's going to be funny that automatically makes me <laughs> not very funny well talking of funny i think the, the the best place to start is last monday and obviously we it's the first time we've actually physically met in person and i'd just like to know what kind of i mean i'm really surprised you're here because i'd be really interested to know what kind of impression I left on you at the time of Christmas lunch. Well, you were well-oiled. And
3: to be honest, I was pretty keen to come and chat to you, having spoken over the internet a couple of times. And we've been in a Lord's Tablers group together for a while. And I've yeah. tried to do as much as I can for the tabs over the years without actually playing any cricket. for them. So anyone who's tabs-based is a, is a good person in my book. So um, yeah, I'm honoured to be uh, as a guest on here. But yeah, you were very well-oiled last week when we last spoke. And I said, guys, if you can confirm that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was well covered off in, I think, last week's episode where Eugene and Simon basically spent an hour just saying you were absolutely battered and just telling story after story about me, which I've, you know, I spent, I spent every time I spoke last week, I was apologizing to someone or something. Like, the interviews that we did after the lunch, I think would have been okay had we have done them before the lunch, but two bottles of red wine and ten bowls of peroni later, I was neither youth nor ornament to anybody, as it turns out. It's
3: so. festive
2: spirit. Yeah, exactly. And it's all for the tabs. You know, the, the £700 that I spent behind the bar or whatever it was for three bottles of Peroni at the hotel we were, we were using. Surely that's all going to the tabs and not, and not direct into the, uh, the bank account at the hotel. Anyway, it first thing next I want to year. cover off. <laughs> yeah, probably. Right, I'm just going to share my screen because I've got three things that I must show you and I want to know what your favourite is. So... Over the years, you've had you've had some hairstyles with the kind of swept across, kind of curly, come Susan Boyle I mean, that's yeah, that that's, is, the one. that's the one. That that's that is that is that where the Subo nickname comes from? Do
3: you know what? When I joined North Northants back in two thousand and well, I was trialing in two thousand eight, but I signed in the winter of that of that year. But yeah, the S and C coach at the time, Ross Stewart, who then went to Worcester for ten years. It was 2008 was when Subo, Susan Boyle, well, full name, was on Grin's Got Talent, I think it was. And for some reason, I, uh, when I got my hair cut a bit shorter, because when I turned up, it was like shoulder length. It was real long. It might have been below my shoulders. And I got my hair cut into that sort of mid-bob type, curly-bob thing. And you know when someone says mid-bob. something and you bite straight away? He called me Sue yeah. Bell, Susan Boyle, and I made the mistake of going. I don't look nothing like her. I bit hard, and he laughed. He was like, "Well, that's sticking then." And then the I've, been, I've been carried that for the last fifteen years, and for most of it, I've embraced it. I just feel like that first few weeks, when I hated it. That's kind of why it stuck. But yeah, it's yeah. uncanny that I've got the similar facials to to her. Really, I've not got the talent.
0: I was going to say, yeah. I was hoping it was a, a shower story when you were maybe singing, and that's where you picked it up from. Got nothing to do with your hair. That's, I was hoping that as um, well. Yeah. You,
2: yeah. I was hoping no, you'd be a great singer. I'm rubbish on karaoke. I'm sorry. Shame, real shame. Right, this one. This is. This must be next, or is this pre that?
3: So that was pre. That was at North we with said shoulder length hair. That would have been 2010, in my first summer as a first team. I reckon. I actually think that I mean, was. That's a strong one. I can right?
2: name.
3: Pretty sure I got Sam Northeast out in that particular. And I got told off for giving them a send. It was the only time I've ever sent someone off. And I think I was just overly fucked up. And I was actually like a bit of a dick. So it makes me cringe, that photo. But yeah. All right. I, we'll, we'll move past I it. look very young there, isn't I look very young.
2: <laughs> and then finally, I mean, so for the, for the listeners, <laughs> wow. this is wow. just a show and tell. Oh. We, we will be making these photos available on our social streams because I think <laughs> we're going to start a poll. We, <laughs> what, what's your favorite jack brooks look that's what we're going with your favorite jack brooks look now this when i saw this on the internet earlier i actually couldn't decide whether it was wolverine jack black or you
3: <laughs> so it was a covid wasn't it it was like the bob willis trophy era i'm pretty sure and my missus hated it and i i said look i'm going to do it for a month i'm going to see what it ends up looking like but just stick with me she hated me for that month. so i basically i'm to trying- Tried to adopt a poor man's wolverine, but also embracing the West Country sort of lamb chop image. And I just, yeah, I'm not, I'm
2: not afraid of just making myself
3: look a bit of a dick now against honest.
2: That's good though. That shows you know masculinity, security, maturity, all of which you're well known <laughs> for.
0: I think anything to cover up <laughs> massive flora <laughs> We we have touched a little bit on nicknames, but after much research on the internet, we have found a few more and we're we we we're sort of interested in where you've got some of them from. So just to name a few, there was the, the Headband Warrior, which I suppose I think we know where that one comes from. But there was a couple more, the Ferret, Don Jr., Yorap, and the Animal. So, um, I mean, for somebody that, that has a very good nickname in, in, in Subo, Obviously, there must have been a bit more biting to achieve so many more nicknames. But, but yeah, tell us a little bit about where some of those came from.
3: Yeah, I think yeah. I've got to blame some mates from home for that Wikipedia. So when I started playing uh, cricket, they obviously decided was someone of note and they decided to stitch me up. But my, the ferret nickname is something I've been called since I was about 12 when I started playing adult cricket, 11 or 12, down at my local of Tillington. I was just this really small energetic kid who I was okay at cricket and I just used to dart and run around everywhere and I think they just basically like you're like a little ferret you are and it just sort of um, stuck through my whole club cricket career really and then when I turned pro it I didn't think it would catch on but it did so it became part of all my social media stuff as well but Don Jr well my dad's called Don so I was known as Don's son in Oxfordshire cricket circles for so long and then sort of made my own name for myself now he's Jack dad so it's <laughs> uh, what was the other one? There was Yorath. Yorath? Uh Yorath was just like it's another word for youth. I used to call everyone youth and then Yoreth is just add-on of that. And animal was just kind of when I was younger after a few drinks, I think my alter ego was animal. I used to really love animals from the muck pits, I think. So.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the the Don the Don Jr. one I was thinking that, you know, obviously with the, the lamb chops and you you kinda you you've got a slight tinge of olive skin, haven't you? I thought, oh, maybe it's like a Don yeah. Juan thing, like you know, bit bit of a Latino lover style kind of, you know, demigod type thing. But you know, I, the fact that it's just your dad's called Don, uh, you know, is like I, you know, I had all the, I had these amazing ideas of where it may have come from. And it's just the fact that your dad's called Don, She's is disappointing.
3: Yeah, sorry to disappoint you, but thanks very much for the the. the the olive mediterranean looks yeah that's
2: great you're known as a big character so i've i've been reaching out and obviously you know all the the lads all the pro lads generally unless they're away playing in different bits and pieces right back in training and stuff and it managed to have anything back yet but i'm sure there are a lot of stories like you're very very popular aren't you within the the county cricket scene i think for your attitude on the pitch you play with a smile on your face that do you think that's come with age As you just said, like when you're a bit younger, you're maybe probably a bit fiercer. But do you think, you know, you're obviously very well liked now within the the pro circuit?
3: Well, it's kind of you to say, so I'd like to think I've tried to be a likable guy on the circuit as someone that plays the game hard, but fair. So as at times when I could probably be a bit of a dick the build, but not true over the top. I think mainly when I was younger, when I just get a bit carried away. But yeah, I mean, I guess my route into the game, which is unusual and still feel incredibly lucky and privileged that I've managed to win 15 years in the game. And I genuinely came into the game thinking, I have one year in the game. If I play one first-class game, that would be amazing. And then within two or three years, I'm in the England mix in terms of being the Lions set up. Um, and I've gone on to win championships and been in really good catch championship team. And I've played for 15 years. It's just remarkable. I genuinely pinch myself still. But I think I still play the game. I always have the mantra that Cricket, a bad day in cricket. If it's your job, is still a better day than the in the real world than a bad day. The, like in, in the real world, so like yeah, yeah. If I drop a catch or get no runs, no wickets, like it's still playing cricket for a living, and it's still better than the the option of real world. For me, not everyone would feel like that, but I could park bad days and bad moments quite quickly. I just tried to have a laugh and try and bring everyone together in an environment and changing. I love being around people. Always been a bit of a joker, a bit of an idiot. I love socials. I love the change room environment, and I don't know yet. I mean, people can say character and all this sort of stuff around it, but i just be it myself and just try to be a likable guy who's having fun, really, and hopefully it shows. And I get that I think I've always wanted to play the game how I'd want to watch it. I grew up yeah, yeah. adoring characters like Darren Goff, Kirby Ambrose, Alan Donald. They were my three heroes growing up, and they were all unbelievable bowlers. I'm nowhere near the quality of those but they all have massive personalities for very different reasons. And I think I was just drawn to personalities and people who were not just, a, I, know, I suppose, a little bit different in a way of how they go about things. And also Jason Gillespie, who's ended up being an unbelievable mentor for me and to work under him was incredible. And he's the coach. He's got the best out of me. So I think, okay. yeah, it's, you know, if I was to turn up and watch a game of cricket, I saw someone tearing around, putting lots of energy and emotion in him, caring about what they were doing and then realizing actually you're there watching entertainment as well and that's all you can ask for is someone's yeah. given their all and maybe
0: had a bit of entertainment thrown in Then I'm happy with that. You mentioned that you sort of are really lucky in the way you came into cricket do you want to elaborate on that a little bit I don't think everybody quite knows I mean there's a lot of aspiring cricketers out there that think that you have to be in a setup from an early age and you have to go through the relevant you know county group stages but tell us a little bit about how you sort of got into to where you are.
3: Yeah, well, like growing up in Oxfordshire, it's obviously not a first-class county. All the Oxford youngsters now, if they're any good when they're younger, get picked up by Sussex. And historically, when I was growing up, it was Gloucester. And I remember going to a session at 13, 14 or something, just not liking the whole vibe of it. I don't know. I just was very naive, very insecure, probably very immature physically, mentally, and just thought, no, this isn't for me. I like to play cricket for enjoyment. I'm about my depth here. But I was always really good at age group level for Oxfordshire, going all the way up, but every single age group, all the way up to around the 10s, all the way up to adult. I was playing village cricket until I was 20, my home village team in Oxfordshire Tiddington Cricket Club, with my brother and some of my mates growing up. And I went to Australia one winter, played grade cricket in Perth. And I think I just came back with a strong steel and attitude about the game because I'd obviously grown up a lot and played grade cricket where you get abused to being a bomb. And just being away from home and sort of growing up and realising, actually, I want to come back, I want to try and bowl quick get fit, get strong, and just see how good I can be. And all I really wanted to do was be the, initially the best player in my village. <laughs> then when I outgrew, then I went. Then when I went to Oxford to play for Oxford Career Club and I was playing for the minor counties team, I just wanted to be the best sort of bowler in the county, really, and make a name for myself locally. without really seeing myself... Any further than that, because I had no reason to really. I was just like, unless I've done something. And then I just basically got offered the chance to trial by some of the senior players who have been pros, who were connected through the uni or my account setup. And they said, Look, Brooksy, you're probably good enough to give this a crack. If you want to trial, give second team trials, a go? So I thought, like, yeah, why not? It'd be good to say I've done that, even if that's as high as I've gone. Bear in mind, I'm working a nine till five in that in office as a salesman selling industrial switches at this point. Real high end products like it was proper nerdy. I can still reel you off 11 digit part numbers now with push button switches. I started at Surrey. I don't know if you're aware of that, but I had my first two games in second team cricket for Surrey back in 2008 when Alan Butcher was in charge of the first team and Nad Shaheed was second team coach. And I played two games, I played first one at Taunton Vale on the flattest pitch, leather bowled, I think. And it was like, wow, is this was second team cricket. This is ridiculous. I took none for 90 on, I think it was hard. Again, in that Surrey team had some good players in it. I remember Stuart Meeker played. Um, I think Laurie Evans, the next game I played, was at the Rose Bowl against Hampshire Twos, and Chris Jordan was playing. A 17-year-old lad who was at school called Jason Roy was playing. I don't know what happened to him, but he was quite good back then. Yeah. I just remember Nanty Haywood playing for Hampshire Twos, and obviously this guy was somebody who could follow nearly 100 mile an hour. He was brutal. He was and he kept bowling short to Jason, this school kid. And Jason just kept hitting him out of the nursery ground. I was like, this is next level. Like, what am I doing here? I can't compete with this. And I'm a, "I'm a 24-year-old at this point, just thinking, oh, I'm a laughing. I'm a proper clubby, proper village idiot. Like, what am I doing? And I did okay, but sorry, basically, it was, I was never going to get a kick. And Linus, Tim Lindley was trialing at the same time. So I got to meet Tim Lindley in that, that year as well, Properly, We roomed together. And this is a funny story on, on Lindley, Stephen. You all love this because you know it. So that, that Taunton game, um, he also didn't drive, so I had to give him a lift to the station at the end of the game. But I turned up to my room, and he had been there already, and he was washing his socks in the sink. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> You've not bought enough socks for the week. <laughs> and then, uh, genuinely, every night, we'd get back, and he would wash the socks he'd been playing with in the sink and then dry them up overnight. I was like, "What? this guy's a different biscuit. So
2: He's <laughs> definitely a different biscuit. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Lovely bloke, mate. Honestly, he's like I got so close to. him, Even in those two games, I've kept in touch. Like when he he obviously moved back to Leeds when I was at Yorkshire, and I went to his coffee shop quite a lot when it was starting off. And he's just the loveliest, nicest bloke you'll ever meet. And yeah, yeah he was a fine bowler. And I remember him taking like seventy odd, eighty wickets one year with Tiff Blacks in dip two and Surrey. So yeah, he the did. Yeah. 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 Um,
2: and then he realised he couldn't he I'd... couldn't swing it with a duke. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Bless it, but he had his, light, his name in lights for a bit of sorry, which was great. So yeah, didn't go anywhere. And then I kind of thought well, I Scanner, this It was like midsummer, coming July, August time, and I got a call saying the Northants have got an open net this week, and they've got another one the week after, which they basically invite trialists and clubbies down to come and net with the academy and second team guys, just have a look at local club cricket. So I, I only, you know, I turned up, took another day off work for this trial. I was there quite early, I think. So I went to the ball bag and bought a brand new ball out the back and just ran in and bowled bounces for an hour and a half. At some very hungover Northants second team and academy players. I remember Rob Newton and, and Graham White were both there and Mark Nelson, who, all of whom went on to be good friends of mine. And they were just like, who's this long-haired idiot running and bowling bounces? Does he not know we've been out till four in the morning in Bridge Street in Northampton <laughs> the night before? Did not realise this is a dumb thing? Um... But I was doing well and I'm also impressed. Like Dave Ripley was one of the net managers, yeah. and also a, a guy who was bowling coach for Northampton at yeah. the time called Alan Hodgson, who I'm not sure if you'd be aware of. He's passed away. But he, yes, um, yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah.
3: Next class county bowler. And he yeah got hold of me and was just like, Listen, we've got another net trial next week. And I was like, Oh, wicked. Yeah, I can time. Let me know which day it is and I'll take a day off work. And he said, No, we don't want you to come back for it. And I was just like, oh, What have I done wrong? Like, we've we got to start somewhere else now. He said, No, we've got a three day game against Warwickshire twos here at the county ground. We want you to play in that. And I was like, All right, okay. And then I sort of looked at the net of what like, they had probably just seen. And there was me and one other guy there who were probably up to a level of playing second team cricket. But there were some proper cats there who you'd think, Why are they even at professional net? One guy turned up in full replica one day kit that year.
2: I love Another that. guy. What is quality? Cool,
3: Another guy, Jolly, you'll love this. Huge. He walked over to Rips after Rip said, "Oh, can you get your pads on? You're in next. You're in next in lane two. He walked over to Rip sheepishly and was, "Did I need to bring my own pads?" Oh, good god!
2: <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> oh, I brilliant.
3: felt like I felt like what is going on? This is mental. So yeah, I went back for the game the next week. Again, took another three days off work against Warwickshire second team, who were. Uh, Decent as well. I took six for 90. I scored 40 yard, And can't remember if it was a draw or one or what. But obviously, taking six were on the carry ground. Smacking 40 yard somehow. Again, yeah, I just look back and I think, right place, right time. They were looking for bowlers. I was obviously a very cheap, raw option. I was reasonably pacey, very raw. Clearly had something about me which I didn't realise. David Capel clearly was interested. I played two more games after that when I put Southport for a three-day game, which turned out to be a two and a half days on the piss because it rained for that long. So that was good bonding. That. Yeah. Spent most of the time texting Dave Murphy pretending I was a girl from nowadays that, that he'd got a number off when it was actually my number I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: that's brilliant. Well, <laughs> oh, the... you've on opposite sides of the changer in replying and... <laughs> to No, mate, oh, you
3: brilliant. won't believe that. I lived on toast for two days. Everyone was in. I reckon everyone in Southport was in on the joke except him. Um <laughs> I'll text him like at 11 o'clock at night. And we're, he, was, he was in the room next to me. I was rooming with one of the other tribes, and he was in the room next to me, and I'll be texting him, pretending I was this Eastern European girl called Peter or PETA, P-E-T-A. And I'll be like, oh, I'm just getting off work now. Do you want to go and meet for a drink down the road? And I'll say this bar down the bottom of the street. And I'll just hear his hotel room. you would hear this scurry across the corridor, door shut, <laughs> and then he'll bugger up. And five minutes later, I'll go, sorry, i will be picked up. I can't. I've, I can't. And you'd hear him just coming back about five minutes later. <laughs>
2: Well, ah, I just thinking about it now, I was like, "What a bastard?
3: Why did I do that? But it, was so <laughs> it was risky, not knowing knowing the lads. But it, um,
2: I mean, why did so you yeah, do play it? it? Because that it's brilliantly funny. Because it's funny.
3: <laughs> 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 yeah, then I played one more trial game at, at Milton Keynes against Knots 2s, and again, did all right. And then Dave Capel called me in for a chat. And by this point, I'd used all my holiday playing minor counties and... I team cricket. And I was only in August. I had no holiday left for the year. My boss said, look, Jack, he was unbelievable. Really understanding guy. Massive Ox United fan like me. He just wanted me to make it. He said, I don't know if you'll be here much longer anyway, but I just want to see you make it. So he said, if anyone asks, you've still got plenty of holiday left. Like, I'm not going to deduct you money, but I must've had another six or seven days. of uh, Leave that I didn't get any money deducted basically. So I was got real amazing. Um, that so was understanding you look back on people and you think yeah the top boys so David Capel called me in and just sort of said look we going to offer you a one year contract and I was just stunned I was just like was in the space of three months I went from being a pure clubby to a clubby with a pro contract and I went sort of full time in January moved down there and lived with Nile O'Brien for a year and got introduced to professional cricket and
1: yeah
2: I bet, I, you, got, I bet you got introduced to a fair bit living with Nobby didn't you
3: yeah there's some fun funny stories there <laughs> He's an interesting character it's for your different, first look uh, Tell you what the funniest thing about Nobby, right? He's a great man, and I've known him for so long that we just know how to take each other. I know I take a lot of what he says with Pinch of Salt or how he is as a person. Because I live with him, we've got a different bond. I've lived with him for probably five or six weeks at this point, okay, solidly. And he sat on his couch on the phone to somebody. I know, still to this day don't know who it was. I was sat next to him on his couch, and he's like, blah, blah. yeah, I've got the new lad living with me, uh, Jamie Brooks. Um, I've just looked Jamie. at him. <laughs> I've just looked at him. and I've just gone, huh? And he's, he's not picking quick. And he got off the phone. He was like, what's up? And I was like, what did you call me? And he was like, Jamie. And I was like, what's my name, Niles? And he said, is it not Jamie? I was like, you've known me for over a month. I've lived with you. And I've been training with you. And you still don't know my name. Like, how much were twice <laughs>
2: Oh, brilliant! I love it. I love it. With it, with regard, going back to the Oxfordshire thing and the UCCe system. So obviously, like Joe Leach, who's at Worcester, he's another. one, Well, he came through kind of Leeds Bradford, but played a lot of minor counties for Shropshire and what have you. I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going on with the UCCe system now because I know that they'd stopped it, but I, I don't know if that's now come back into force. I don't know if you'll know a bit more about that, but. If it, isn't, if it still isn't happening, then that, it's a real shame to cut off that route into professional cricketers for those who haven't been through a system, isn't it? Well, it was just another route.
3: Oh, I didn't obviously go down that route because I didn't even want to go to uni, but I got offered places at different unis just to try and have a route into cricket. I just didn't want to go to uni and get in debt and spend all my time drinking, really. I went to work, have money, and I just saw cricket as a life. But yeah, the MCC or whoever funded it, that called the pin a year or two ago around COVID time maybe. So I think it's just purely funded by ECB now, but it's not as well funded anymore either. So coaches are paid less. They, there's still a system there and there's still pro cricketers that go to universities. But I remember when I started, we used to play like Loughborough in pre friendlies or Oxford Union or whatever. And you'd end up with like 11 of the uni labs, they'd all have names and numbers on. They'd all be pros, right. no matter what level they were, but they were all contracted. But they were, I think, just the way the academies are now, they get them early and turn through, and you're basically a rookie or a young pro already. at That age, not as many people go to uni this day. I don't really know, but I know the funding isn't there, but we still get people going to uni, but it's just not chock a block teams. And the, to be honest, the uni teams now, they're not worth playing pre season anymore because it's just too one sided.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We talked off air before, and I'm desperate to to hear this story again. Not only did you have a a dreadful year when you had the the double Achilles operation, but you also managed to, well, in effect, you had one working limb. Can you talk us through that?
3: Yes, I look back on 2020,
2: and obviously we're in a
3: a global pandemic, but it took a global pandemic for my fashion sense to become massive in cricket, where everyone started wearing headbands, but, you know. But also, I was kind of glad that the season was shortened because I was knackered. Like, my Achilles was, put it bluntly, knackered. So I was due surgery at the end of the summer in the October time. And I think they were said, like, we'll do your right one because it needs properly doing. But your left one needs a bit of a tidy up as well. So it means you'll be off feet for a few days. But your right one will be, like, you won't, you'll be non weight bearing for 10 weeks. So it'll be quite severe. Like, you have to hop around and be careful what you're doing basically. Can't get it wet or anything. So I got my head around the fact that I was going to be doing that. So once the season was drawing to a close, the Bob Willis Trophy final at Lords against Essex it was a great game. I dived for a ball that Alistair Cook sort of nudged into leg side, and I, for some reason I still don't know why I did it, but I dived with my sort of right arm like that way, rather than going and scooping with you. I still don't know why I did it. Anyway, I got my thumb stuck in the ground and sort of wrenched ligaments out of the joint in my thumb so it rendered my thumb useless as a thumb i played on with some heavy duty painkillers and tried to strap my thumb into place to hold the ball and alistair cook was basically begging me to bowl these 30 mile an hour dunlops at him but it was horrendous so i finished the game knowing that i was due achilles surgery and also potentially staring down a barrel of thumb surgery which went for a scan they were like yep you've wrenched the ligaments out your joint we're going to need to reattach them it's only about a half an hour job but decent which oh, so i went up up north for that but that meant that my right hand was going to be in cast for six weeks it's not what you need when you're on crutches two weeks later and you... my only working limb was my left hand which i basically no well i use my left hand for like holding a fork that's probably the only thing i i do so uh so for six weeks, I was washing on this sort of high-stall chair thing that I put in the bathroom, and I basically plunked myself on it, get naked, just use hot flannels and soap and wet wipes to clean myself with one left hand. And that went on for six weeks. And then, obviously, when my hand eventually came out of the cast, I was able to just kind of ease my right hand into everyday things. But I was still off feet for 10 weeks in total. So, yeah, that... That was a testing period of time. Luckily, there was nothing going on in the world because at the end of that first year of COVID, but it was brutal. It was boring and, you know, I probably put a little bit away and I was probably pissed off at times, but yeah, it was it was, it was, was tough. It was probably the toughest part of my career because I didn't know if I'd play again or if I'd be good enough to get up and go for a run, let alone play cricket. Luckily, um, I bounced back with these new trampolines on the bottom of my feet and my son hasn't been an issue since either. learned will learn how to move. It, so.
0: T- talking of COVID, you know, it, it wasn't the best of times for, for many people, but, you know, you especially. I mean, talk us through what, what got you through COVID and, and sort of
3: how you... Well, initially, like, like all of us, we didn't know how long it was going to last. So I thought I was going to go through a three-week jolly to live with my missus. So I'd only just started seeing. So I packed my bags for three weeks. I was living with Don Bess at the time in Taunton. And I was like, I'm not doing lockdown here, mate. I'm buggering off to see my missus in London, in Highgate. So I took a suitcase of clothes for like three weeks. And I was still there four months later with, with basically clothes that weren't appropriate a few months into the summer. So, yeah, I, I think I'd pack my bag. She'd sent me away a few times and we managed to smooth it over. But generally, it was a good experience. <laughs> like It was awful what was going on in the world. And there was death. And there was so much crap and the news to put yourself through. But from a personal point of view, Danny and I got a lot closer. We probably both appreciated the break from our work and the mental break from it more. And I was physically knackered anyway. So, yeah, but then last year wasn't fun off the back of it. So it kind of probably balanced out, eventually. So, yeah, it generally wasn't too bad at the time, but it got a bit crap a bit later on.
2: We talked earlier, and, you know, obviously, I know you're going to it now, but you've become an ambassador for Sporting Chance. It's obviously incredibly important here. Do you want to just talk a little bit about why how that opportunity came about the the reaching out that you did and and what you think it's going to lead on to and how you think it's going to benefit people through the work that you're going to do yeah certainly John. so
3: i've for a few years wanted to so i've used sports psychologists and i found them useful to a certain extent just it's been great just to talk to people and i'm really good with people and tend to be quite open with a lot of people but there's being open there's actually being real deep and open and talking about feelings or emotions or why you react in certain ways. And I guess as time's gone on, I just got to a certain age where I was like, I want to explore myself a bit and actually advance myself a little bit, not fix myself. And you know, I haven't had any traumas or anything as a kid or you know, my parents are still together. I've had a really probably a privileged upbringing from a working class background. So I've had nothing to complain about, really, but I just wanted to explore myself, really. But I'd never really taken the plunge. And then had a couple of things happen to me last year which brought on sort of anxiety and anger and a few sort of emotional things that which I was like, right, I need to do it now because I need to work out how to steer away from this anxiety path yeah. and these other things. And to be honest, my career has not been an issue at all. I know a lot of people in, in sport have struggled with anxiety or depression or other things around sports related. But actually, for me, cricket's easy. No, I'm sounding like a dickhead. Yeah. Yeah. Cricket's been easy. It's mm. life Probably what gets in the way and how you are as a person is dictates how you are. I wanted to sort of just make myself better as a person, really. So I was sort of pushed into a little bit by a couple of mini traumas, if you like. But it's been the best thing I've done, and I've been doing seeing this therapist for about a year now, and it's been amazing. Really look forward to each each. I found that since I've been open to people, friends friends in different industries, real successful people in the city, other people, you've, you're amazed at how many people admit, oh, yeah, well, I've speak, spoken to a therapist as well, or I've seen a counsellor. And they, this would never have come out, I think, unless I had probably said, like, you know, I've had some pretty ab- average times, or I just wanted to to do something about it, basically. So I'm massive on it now, and I'm <laughs> almost poached to the gamekeeper, that classic, oh, everyone should go through therapy. I think genuinely you should. Like, there's nothing wrong with you, all the more reason to do it. I think I'll continue at some level, might not need to be as regular, but certainly just to keep ticking the box and just to keep popping yourself up, really, I think it's been the best thing I've done. Sporting Chance has been amazing. That was through the PCA. For those who don't know, Sporting Chance sort a charity set up by Tony Adams back in the 90s. My first sort dealings with them, I saw a workshop they put on for the cricket teams in the pre-season and... Me that you just think, oh, it's only there really to if I ever have addiction issues or alcohol, drugs, gambling, those sort of issues which get out of hand. But actually, my stuff is real low level in the grand scheme of thing. I wouldn't say I've got that many issue or an issue really. I just wanted to address myself. But they're there for that real low level stuff. Not, I don't need to be checked into rehab or anything. But they're still willing to help you out, and they're an amazing service. For any sportsman and I've tried to give back, and I've just said, "Look, can I get involved in any way, helping with events in the future?" And also, they've been really kind in helping me run some workshops for them. Whereas now, I'm actually going to these sports teams. I've been really lucky to go to a prominent Premiership Academy team lately to go and deliver these 45-minute workshops to these academy sports sports people about mental health awareness and it's not just a negative stigma there's a lot of positives to come out of it just to make them aware get them talking get them listening get them engaging with their peers just make them aware of what sporting chance can do because mine like i said is so low level but it's actually there for things like that as well and if you do somehow get caught up in some really nasty stuff like which needs addressing or you need to be in a facility for a month to address some pretty hardcore stuff then fine it's there for that but also like don't be shy of even thinking right at the low level that they're there for that so I've been really lucky that they've taken me on
0: with that and i hope I to do a lot, lot more going forward yeah it's, it's interesting you mentioned that one of the things that that I was really interested in you talking about was how sometimes it's more important to listen to people than to actually talk about it as mates and and some of the things that we like to talk about in the podcast is sometimes blokes don't talk to blokes about the problems that are going on in their life and sometimes that's seen as a negative stigma and you know grow up or grow a pair or whatever it might be i think the thing that you just mentioned there about being able to listen to people's challenges that they're currently going through is massively important and it's great to hear that you're doing that and yeah especially at that young age when you're talking to these kids that are 16 17 Especially at that age. I mean, what were we doing when we were 16 or 17? Definitely not listening to each other. <laughs> that probably would be appropriate.
2: Yeah. I, <laughs> <Man. laughs> I was just about to say that. I think the, the, other, the thing I was just going to say, Brooksy, was that I think it's amazing how you, you're, not, you're not concentrating solely on the big stuff. I think the fact that you've identified in yourselves that there are kind of, let's call them, it, it, let's put it in a sporting analogy, injury term analogy, if you like, like a niggle there are certain little things that you've identified within your own framework where you're like, actually, I just want to look into this a little bit more. Why, you know, emo- why do I react emotionally to, to this when I might react differently to something else? And I think that that's really important for people to consider that you might think that you're fine or, you, you know, and it, and it is, it, and obviously in your case, it is a low-level thing, but everybody goes through stuff, you know, and, and there are, I guess, the important message from this is, regardless of what you're going through whether it's a major thing or in your own mind a minor thing there are people who are willing to listen to you and help talk through whatever you're feeling from a professional point of view to help you get whatever
3: you need out of it yeah exactly that's what I found amazing that I sat there thinking what am I going to talk about this week and then I just you look up and it's the clock's gone by so quickly like wow I must have had so much to get off my chest they look, obviously, mm-hmm. they're very highly trained some of these therapists and they can lead you down a certain way to get you open up about something but yeah it's, it's amazing just getting stuff off your chest or just talking about it. and like for me I wanted to address how I'd react in certain ways in certain situations how I'd bury my head in some situations or walk away rather than tackle a certain yeah. subject or emotion and now I'm the opposite of that I'm so open I'm willing to come headlong on into tricky conversations or situations knowing that it's better for me it's better for the person that I'm engaging with at that time it's only going to make me a better person going forward. And like what Eugene said earlier about the listening, listening is a massive skill. Not everyone is very good at listening. I, I, when you go up to somebody and say, how are you, mate? Like, you're probably wanting them to go, yeah, I'm okay, thanks, because you're a bit afraid of them saying, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling, right? I mean, how well are you able to tackle that? Sometimes somebody literally just wants to unload, and you've just got to sit there and care and listen. And actually, that is such an easy thing to do. And I found myself off the back of therapy as well being well more well more like a good language isn't it way more
2: i mean it's been, um, very 90s <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well more, i'm well more way more sort of grounded and aware of other people and needs and when you're talking to someone how much are you actually listening or are you are you gagging to get your next bit of info out or tell them about yourself and stuff actually you're able just to hold back and just listen to them so it's been amazing really it's been a quite some journey and yeah i'm I'm dead thankful that sport a chance for that
2: i think if if eugene and i have, le- have learned anything and simon who's obviously still like digging out walls upstairs in his back bedroom he's <laughs> been too lazy to join us tonight eugene and i actually were on the phone about a, a, a mutual friend yesterday and i think the way in which react we re- we have reacted to that situation now is different than it would have been three years ago before we started doing this podcast I think what has been amazing in talking to cricketers and other sports people, and you know, different different guests that we've had on, is through kind of osmosis and listening to you guys is we have learnt so much, and I think we've grown as people, which is which is really nice yeah. to know that you know this situation we were dealing with last night, we we now deal with that in a much more positive way than perhaps we would have having not been on this
3: journey. Yeah, that's amazing. You're probably both halfway to being counselor now and i've spoken to my counselor about this and she because one of the things i wanted to talk to her about was the anxiety i have about the future really because i don't know what it, exactly what it looks like she suggested mm. to me that i should she said i think you'd be a really good counselor have you ever thought about it and i was like you, nope this is literally the first time it's ever been mentioned to me and ever since then it's planted this seed of wow well, like, like the more i thought about it the more i've been excited by it and i'm probably gonna try and do a qualification even if it is just to become a better communicator or listener. And it's only going to help if I choose to go down a coaching route or, you know, anything that's people related. Because at the end of the day, all it is is just improving you as a communicator and listener.
2: Well, I'm not sure anybody would want to sit on my couch, to be honest. Um, Go through warring. More through worry of what they might be sitting in. Like, spilt, <laughs> spilt Chinese or also. So, you know, terribly messy bloke. Talking of your career, Jack, top score of 109 out in a vital draw for Yorkshire against Lancashire. You must be fuming that you weren't using a Woodstock because that would have more likely been 250 red. Had to get it in. I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. But that, I, I mean, your bowling stats. I, you know, I remember Luke Fletcher, who's a, a big friend of the pod, got to 500 wickets, first class wickets this year. Like, you're in a select club there, 518 at 27 and a half with 21 fighters. I mean, you must be incredibly proud of that.
3: Yeah, massively. Large. I'm probably more, more proud of the 100 than the 500 wickets because I can't tell you how bad I am really and how bad I was. As a youngster, I've just found a method, but, but 100 in a Roses game at Old Trafford in a tough game. And I'll tell a good story about it because Jimmy Anderson was playing, but he broke down after to three overs and didn't actually face him, but he was in the game. Brilliant.
2: <laughs> um,
3: you know it, you know it was yeah me and Jack Leaning put on my 170 odd as a record partnership for each wicket where it, was. it was remarkable really and I just went off my, off my knee off Kerrigan to Shandapal who was stood there with his hands in his pockets. it was the easiest single I ever got yeah the 500 wickets is I'm not really one I know a lot of people start to say this about themselves but I'm generally not really a stats man um, I'm proud probably of my main stat if anything is my strike rate because I see myself as a proud sort of strike bowler, and I'm not so bothered about yeah. the runs I leak. The average for me is irrelevant, but I'll I go on wickets and how many games I've affected to help the team. I'd love to have put some more trophies on that, but I'm proud of the two I have got, which is epic. Really so, other than not playing for England, which would probably be the only thing I haven't achieved, which I'd love to have achieved, I've overachieved in my career anyway. I think regardless. So. Yeah, it's remarkable. And I'm just short 150 games as well, which it hurts to think wow. about.
0: That's a lot. To feel, You'll very. get there this year. Yeah, yeah. You, you you talk about never playing for England. I mean, you went on a, a Lions tour to South Africa. Did you feel that you were hard done by? I mean, you know, you, you talk about like the mental side of things. You know, it must be so difficult to get to the to the edge and then not actually convert it. You know, how does that make you feel? What are your thoughts What what do Um, you say to other people that are going to go through exactly what you did?
3: Yeah, I guess that sort of 2014, 15, 16 took 60 wickets each season. The best team in the country. We won two ties out of three. So I was as good as I'll ever be in those three years. And that was the peak of my career. Peak pace, peak fitness. I was confident I'd finally got, I think for probably the first two years of that, I still had this Insecurity that I probably wasn't good enough to play for England. I still saw myself as a village cricketer, I mean, even though I was mixing it with some good players. But I think that 2016 to so end of 2015, I think I've got myself into a mental state where actually I, I would probably be good enough if I did play for England. I kind of thought I can't be that far away now. But Anderson and Broad are ahead of me. They're never going to play ahead of them. And rightly so, they're amazing. So I'd have to have done something very special to played for England, mm. injuries or unavailabilities or, you know, it's just something a bit different because effectively I was a number 11 batter who so wasn't as good as Jimmy Unson anyway. So I felt that maybe in a different era or different timing, things had happened differently. I may well have played. And I was told by people in the know and like management and things that I was good enough, just, you know, couldn't quite force the way in. The only thing I was annoyed by off the back of that South guitar huge with the head coach of that tour sat me down and it still annoys me a little bit to this day not, not like because I, knew, but I think just off the back of this conversation I knew I wasn't going to play for England kind of just because I said look what have I got to do to play for England and he said well, just from Miss Brooks I don't know if you're sexy enough sexy enough person. and I was like well not that bad looking I was just I'm not particularly <laughs> but now to take it initially because we were sat in the airport departure lounge I was like, huh? okay. "Okay, what do you mean?" And he said, "Well, you know, you're, you're not six foot eight. You don't bat eight. You you're not left armor, You don't bowl ninety plus. You know, what's your specific skill that might people want to look out for 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 international cricket, really?" And I was like, "Flummoxed." So I was like, "Well, I've just taken sixty wickets a year, three years in a row. And I'm not slow, but I'm not ninety odd consistently. Yeah, yeah, but I'm like, yeah. and that I was eight five consistently." So do I get what your point is? To a certain extent, but also like the wickets not matter. So uh, I just thought off the back of that, probably wasn't going to play. And then over the course of the next couple of years, guys were playing that probably done similar amount to me in county cricket or not quite as much over a long period of time and were playing. And I different time. It might have been me, but I don't regret it. I think at the end of the day, you play for England if you're good enough. And if you're not, you, you're not. I've made peace with it. The fact that I wasn't quite good enough and it was great to be involved and really I've achieved way more than I ever thought I would. So I can't be too aggrieved, really, for not playing for England. But it would have been an amazing story, don't get me wrong. But, yeah, there's bigger things to worry about.
2: Do you think at times, I mean, it's funny that you say, I mean, that line about you're not quite sexy enough. I mean, we have watched, you know, obviously Eugene is an England fan, but, you know, a South Africa fan as well. As, a, as an England, as an Englishman, you know, we've we've gone through a period of, you know, now obviously we're watching the most exciting Test cricket that's ever been played by an England team, but followed by, you know, quite a lot of dull cricket for a long time. And yet they're yeah. telling a bloke who, you know, effectively gave Stuart Broad the the headband fashion statement, you know, he's obviously nicked it yeah. from you, you know, to then tell you that that's not, that's not sexy. You know, I mean, how how dull did they have you down as being? I mean, in my short time knowing you, I, th- I think you're anything but dull,
3: to me. You, know, you, you ask my missus or some of my mates close to me, they'll probably think he's a dull, boring bloke. You know, what I mean, it was that again. It's just opinions, isn't it? That was his opinion. I don't think he'd have had any, much impact on the actual England selection. I just think that I can make peace of the fact that I'm a pretty much similar age to Broad yeah. and Anderson, and they're way better than I am. Yeah. So, fair play to them. Would have been amazing to even have one game. But it wasn't to be, and I'm I'm more than happy. And I'm so chuffed that I played in a part of that Yorkshire team, and I played with some, some amazing cricketers. England Lions tours where I met some amazing cricketers. I played with pretty much most of those guys that won the World Cup. I was part of the Lions tour with most of those guys. I've mixed it with these guys, and I felt like I was an equal with them at times, even though a lot of them were a lot better than me. So just to have those experiences is, is, is amazing, to be honest. And I can make peace to the fact that I leaked probably far too many runs, but I was able to chase that. I was That was the role I was given in a good team and not worry about the runs. I wasn't selfish enough to to try and stop runs. I was just, right, I'm going to go do or die, die my sword, I'm going to lob up there. If they hit it four, if they miss it or nick it, I'm, I'm running, I'm doing laps of the square. So, um, I, I just tried to adopt that for my career, really, and just...
0: And it's, it's been a great career. At the tender age of 38, there's at least five years left in you. But, Teased. you know, <laughs> what? Well, if, uh. if you look back on your career and you sort of look through, the, the you know, a, a, a neutral lens, what would you most like to be remembered by? I think
3: be remembered as a good teammate, I think is a big thing for me. I used to see in that Yorkshire changing room and Tim Breslin would change to me on my right and Liam Plumke, who was my best mate, sat on the left. And I used to look around like the crowd changing with all these internationals. I'm like, what, obviously, what am I doing here? And it was enough for me at times just to to know that they were okay with me and respecting the fact I was good enough to be part of that team. And actually, they would look to me to win the games. sometimes. That was just like, blew my mind sometimes. And then from, I guess, I've always had a bit of affinity with supporters of the teams I've played with because I guess I'm quite a visual person and my passion and, Everything comes out quite quickly. So just to know that I try to always do my best and have fun. I think the have fun thing now is being promoted so much that it's all I've done my whole life really in, in cricket. I've just seen it as messing around with my mates, but taking it seriously and professional, et cetera. But tried not to get too carried away with down days. Just like playing sport for a living is, a, is, is meant to be good fun. You're not being any good or enjoy it properly if, if you don't see it. It's i love loving how Stokes has just gone with it and rolled it and taken it to the extreme. And some of the stories I'm hearing back from the guys when they come back from stores or test matches, it's just, so i good friends are still some of these guys. It's just like, wow, like, how good would it be to be part of this too? Because it's making me glued to watching test cricket again, which I wasn't for a while. And I'm sort of, I was on the train into that tab studio the other day. I was listening to TMS, sat in Gales Cafe around the corner from the hotel, just catching the end of the the test match. Well, like, I don't do that.
1: Anymore.
0: I will not do that before. Yeah, that's a great testament to the to the England side at the moment. I suppose the one thing is is do you still you know you, you came into cricket quite late. Do you still think cricket's just a game, or do you see it as a job? It was you know Simon always says this. Simon's not yet to ask the question, but when did cricket become a job instead of just a a I suppose a nice thing that you do with your mates on a Saturday. I mean
3: I always got up every morning very long, wanting to go to work and just be chuffed to bits what I do with for a living. So I've always thought I need to give it my all. I've always felt, especially at the beginning of my career, that I needed to look like I fit in, you know, improve my fitness, my feeling, the batting so I don't look too shit. My bowling I was always pretty content with. But the rest of it I thought I looked proper shit up at the same time. So I always felt like there was this part of me that didn't fit in. But then that's the beauty of me, I guess, the, my sort of rough around the edges rawness. I've seen it as hard work because I've wanted to, but it's, and you're getting paid for it. So I guess that's the only part of I can see as work because you're getting paid for it. But I approach it and play exactly the same as I did when I played Village, my accounting's Premier League. I have exactly the same. You ask anyone that I played with back then, I approach it and play. I was running around a lap to the square at club cricket in front of one bloke on a mower down in the corner in front of. Battery. Like, I'd do a knee slide for a wicket now and again. I'm just like, I'm an idiot. I'm doing... I, I absolutely thrive on the crowds. Like playing cricket in front of a crowd, I'd much rather do it in front of a packed house than in front of nobody. I don't care if I oh, am yeah. shit. I would just much I'd rather run. play in front of and try and give them something to remember and show that you don't know, care what I'm doing. It's just great. I'm, I know some people would shit themselves or be daunted by that, but I love right? it. So it's always been and I've been incredibly privileged to be paid to get people to actually look at me to affect performances or matches and stuff. It's, yeah, I've already just thought, well, I'm so that. I
2: mean, you've certainly given us a, a great deal tonight. Final question: What's next? Obviously, we we talked a little bit off air about the coaching that you're doing. Obviously, the work that you're doing with sports and Chance and what have you. But what 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 would you love to do? Obviously, you've done your level three. What 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 would your chosen route forward be? Obviously, a few more... Well, Eugene signed you up for another five years already, so you've got five years of playing, yeah.
3: Yeah, I've with Somerset's powers that be, then. I'm going to make me overnight my oats in a minute and just plan my breakfast. I'm going to look that far ahead at the minute. We'll have some vanilla protein powder to, for the morning. So either that all. Yeah, I mean, I don't completely know what the future looks like. I'm exploring options. I'd love to get involved in something else, sporting, whether it be a web space, media rights holders, brands, you know, some sort of sports agency, something like that. But I don't just want to be a one-trick pony with cricket. And I know that hasn't always been my life. It has been a big chunk of my life and it's always been there, even as a hobby. It'd be great to explore something outside of cricket, to expand my horizons, meet new people, work with people day to day. But also, cricket's been great to me and I feel like I've got probably a little bit to give back the coaching. How that looks again, I don't know. I've just started a new role with Western Storm, uh, the Woodlands franchise down here. There's a bit of interim bowling coach, which has been great. Done a little bit with XT Uni, the local college side down here. Done a bit of Oxford Youth System and the adults. Um have helped our academy before. Some of our young bowlers on match days and around sort of training day. They want to pick your brains, also, which is great. Yeah, I just like helping. I, I realise that probably I've got a bit of knowledge to give. It's just how you get that message across, really. And I could sit and talk cricket or fast bowling with someone for hours and it just sort of reels off naturally. But, yeah, I don't exactly know what the future looks like. I'll play as long as I can, as long as I'm physically and mentally enjoying it and able to, but, yeah, I won't probably go down the umpiring route or media route, I don't think, yeah, we'll see. Watch the space, but whatever it is, as long as I'm having fun, then everything else will look after itself.
2: It's all that matters. All that matters. Bronxie, look, it's been an absolute pleasure having you with us. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on, especially after, I mean, I was acting like an absolute burk last time we saw each other a week ago. Looking forward to spending many more tabs events in your company, my friend, and eventually hopefully sharing a field with you so you can actually watch me bowl it backwards. But yeah, no, <laughs> thank you so much for coming <laughs> on. mate. For- Great. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant interview. Simon, thoughts?
1: Yeah, for those people that aren't aware, I have not yet been sent a copy of the interview, so I've not actually listened to it. But I'm sure, having spoken to Jack for those 40 minutes, my having a chat with him when Jono was drunk, some people may have found that more interesting than what you have just listened to. But yeah, I I do have some favourite parts of the interview that I've not yet listened to. So yeah,
2: Brilliant. Maybe we can ask you next week when you have had a chance to listen to it.
1: Possibly. That might be slightly advantageous. Serves Um, you right for
0: cutting in whatever you were doing with wires and stuff. Eugene? Yeah, what an interview. What a guy. And I think one of my favorite parts about listening and talking to him was how I suppose he offers something slightly different. He comes from a, a club cricketer background. He didn't come through the system. He didn't, you know, have the the upbringing that that some professional cricketers do. So, you know, talking about how he came from, from you know, minor counties and into it. And I suppose more importantly, it's the first time or the first interview that we've done where there's been more words spoken by our guest than by you, Jono. So that was, that was a really good interview for me.
2: Perfect. So when you just said, when we cut for a minute then, that you did have a favorite bit and I just thought that you were going to shoe Simon, but what you've done is shoe me instead. So thank you for that. Well, again, as I said at the start of tonight's recording, <laughs> what I found out tonight is that you're both a pair of pricks. And that's how we're going to leave it, with you two being a right pair of pricks. This has been Slugging It. It's been a pleasure, as always. Please like, write us a review, subscribe, tell all your friends. Mainly tell all your friends that these two are pricks and are mean to me all the time. But until next week, lots of love.
0: Why don't you you, just cry about it? (laughs) Cheers, boys. Bye. Bye, boys. Sports Social Podcast Network.